Awesome. Pastor Marcy, killing it. I just had somebody tell me, um, I'm not going to say who, because then nobody talks to me if I get up and give, say their name, but someone just said to me, what happened? There's so many people here today. And um, my response was, Lonnie happened. And so, um, so Lonnie, officially, I'm writing up the offer. You'll be our official publicist for RCC. And, and so, yeah, you make it happen. Talk to Annie. Make it happen anyways. If you came because Alani invited you today, can you raise your hand? Yeah. Very cool. Love that. Okay. And thank you for some of you sitting on this side. That's good. Um, anyways. Hey, we're glad to be here. Uh, you know what? I said this last time we did this. We did this several months ago. I call it Three Sermon Sunday. It's not just to give myself a break, it's to give you a break. I, I don't get breaks, right? It's uh, a chance for people in our own church to, uh, to get up and share the things that God has been showing them and teaching them. We are wrapping up. Next week, we'll actually put a bow on it, uh, Second Peter, the book of Second Peter. And so I just asked these three, hey, what, what, what has God been showing you? And so they've all put together something, and it's just like going to a smorgasbord. And so just pick and choose what you want uh, this morning. And we do trust that God is speaking to us this morning. The song we sang, No Place I Would Rather Be. And literally, when I first heard that phrase this morning, I was like, boy, is that true for me? Hawaii sounds pretty good. <laughs> no place I would rather be. Um, but, you know, even if I'm there, God is there. You know, the Bible says that, Wherever I go, he's, you know, he's there. I cannot outrun him. I can't hide from him because he is present with me always. And so I just love that about Jesus. That he's always with us, always, always. All right, well, we're going to start off this morning by inviting Pastor Jan to come. And she's going to share. And then Rick is going to share after that. And we're going to save Lonnie towards the end, okay? Because she has water. She's going to spray you guys or something, okay? Well, thank you, Pastor Kevin, for giving me the mic. You know, I never know what's going to happen, what's going to come out of my mouth, so praise God. <laughs> well, trust it's good. We have a multi-generational church. As you can see, we're starting at one end of the spectrum, and then we're going to move towards the other end of youth. Praise God. This has been quite a journey for all of us to go through uh, the books, First and Second Peter. And as I was looking through this, what, what really jumped out for me? And there was a, a key verse, Second Peter 1.10. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he wrote those words, Peter was nearing the end of his life. And he was wanting to ensure that those who have been entrusted to his care were reminded of the glorious salvation given to them by the Lord Jesus. As Peter reflects on his life, his own calling by the Lord had to be clearly emblazoned in his mind. As Peter and his brother Andrew were fishing, Jesus came walking along the Sea of Galilee. 
And he called out to them and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left and followed him. When he writes, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, he's thinking about when Jesus called him. Peter was given a threefold commission by Jesus after his resurrection in John chapter 21. Jesus' first call was to feed my sheep, literally meaning pasture and tend the lambs, continually tending, feeding, and caring. This is making sure that the new converts are spiritually fed and protected from predators. In the second command, shepherd my sheep, the meaning is tend my sheep, but this is a supervisory capacity, not just feeding, but having oversight of them. In 1 Peter 5.2, he tells the elders of the church in Asia Minor, be shepherds of the flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. This indicates an organizational structure where Peter would have care over the other shepherds. The third time, the literal translation of feed my sheep is pasture or tend the sheep. He was to tend, care for, and provide spiritual food for God's people from the youngest lambs to full-grown sheep. But they still need care and feeding as they bring other sheep into maturity. While Peter had a sure calling by the Lord, he had a share of ups and downs. Even after he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Paul and the elders had to sit down with Peter and bring some correction to his life. He knew he could not fulfill his calling without coming alongside others. He knew by the Holy Spirit and by his own experiences that to fulfill his calling, it required the dedication to holiness he expressed in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. This is a little long, but this is the heart of what Peter is wanting for us to get. How do we move ahead as believers? According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see after all what is ahead and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Up until the last here, Peter is feeding the sheep of his pasture. That same call to holiness that Peter wrote about must be how we live our lives to fulfill God's call on our lives. Peter knew the sure calling on his life. But how are we to know if we are called or what that calling means? I've often pondered Matthew 22:34 that says, Many are called, 
but few are chosen. What does that mean? Many people hear the call of God, but only a few will respond. Not everyone will have ears to hear when he calls them. The things of this world can make us deaf to the Holy Spirit's call to us. Does that mean that everyone who's called will be saved? No. Second Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father God's heart is that we all would be saved, but he has given us free will to accept or reject the Savior. We must humble ourselves and turn away from disobeying God's laws and accept that Jesus paid the penalty for our rebellion. Once we accept Jesus as our Savior and he begins to work on our hearts, how do I know what he wants me to do? Do only certain people get the call? If you have accepted the call to come to Jesus for salvation, then you are called. He has special plans and purposes for you. Ephesians 1.3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So you and I are chosen. Let's look at what it means to be called. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, Calling applies to an occupation viewed as a vocation or a profession. Sometimes it's what we get to get paid for, we get paid to do. Its meaning suggests a trade, a profession, followed by zeal and steady interest. In other words, what really lights us up? God knows us in the deepest places in our heart, in the secret places. And those things that light us up are gifts from him to be used for his glory. How do we discover what is our calling? Well, there are several ways we are called. One is the Damascus Road call. Paul was given a revelation of the resurrected Jesus. Paul, who was still called Saul at the time, had legal papers to arrest and murder believers. While he was on the road to Damascus to do that, he was surrounded by a bright light and heard the voice of Jesus ask, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul could only respond by asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? He had no question about his calling in Christ after that. Second is the progressive call. That's the call that evolves over time. And that is more my own story. I needed to grow and develop the gifts and the heart to be able to minister in the calling he has for me. Who knew that at this particular time in Fairwood, King County, Washington, that there'd be a need for an elderly woman with my gifts? Who knew? (laughs) Thank you. But God knew and placed me here. By the way, if you haven't heard this before, he told me, I'm on assignment here. You're stuck with me. He placed me here at this time, and sometimes we need time to grow in our relationship with Christ and to develop our gifts and calling. The third call can be from birth, Psalm 139.13. For you form me in my, 
innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. In a sense, we are called from the very beginning. But there are cases then, like the prophet Samuel, whose mother dedicated him to the Lord when he was born. Samuel the prophet and priest served God all his life, and he was a counselor to kings and judged the people. The fourth call maybe by being set apart by the church. Sometimes a person is recognized by the church as a trustworthy servant. Acts 13.2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they commissioned them in that circle of intensity and obedience of fasting and praying. They laid hands on their heads and sent them off. God is hands-on building his church. We have been praying for the connect groups and the people who are to be involved, that God would send the right people at the right time. So you're already being blessed and you're being called for ministry of different kinds. The open door ministry, such as Revelation 3.8, I know your deeds. See, I have put before you an open door that no one can shut. I know your strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Sometimes we just go and do just because it's the right thing to do. Bill and I were part of a group that took Bibles into a communist country. Now, years before, I had read about Andrew Murray, God Smuggler, it's a great book. But I never dreamed I'd ever be able to do anything like that. But we stepped out in faith. And the obedience was seen by God, and he went with us. And when we take steps in obedience in the word, he watches over his word to perform it when he's called you to something. And he's called all of us. He says, preach. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And this call wasn't limited to the 12, because then he sent out 72. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to the 120, who then went out to all the known places in the world. If Jesus has told us to do something, he provides all the necessary anointing and the gifts to accomplish it. When I pray for the sick and do deliverance, it's not anything in me. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit and an obedience to the word. I step out in faith. The founder of the Vineyard Church Movement, John Wimber, said, Obedience to the word is the fundamental reason that I pray for the sick and receive prayer personally. And the founder of our own denomination, Amy Semple McPherson, was praying for the sick in the very early days of her ministry before she moved to LA and people were healed. News people interviewed the people who were healed and verified the healings, sometimes giving the names and addresses of people healed in the newspapers. Now that's the kind of news we need. Praise God. <laughs> gifts are for equipping the saints to build up the church. All the gifts are to reveal Christ to the world around us and grow in Christian maturity. If we fear failure, then we are expecting to fulfill our calling in our own power. But if we trust the one who has called and anointed us, we will fulfill his calling in us. Paul writes to Timothy, Wherefore I put you in remembrance, that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. We are called. 
but often it's a matter of hearing and obeying God's call. Every believer is called. We are equipped by studying the word of God and being in fellowship with believers who are mature and can teach us. We must live with an enthusiasm for our calling. The secular world can say that your calling is done with enthusiasm and zeal. How much more do we get to do what Jesus called us to do? If guilt from our past is whispering, we're not worthy, then remember that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Peter repeatedly failed, but the Lord graciously picked him up time after time. Yes, we're called when we receive Jesus as our Savior, but we must open our ears and our hearts to receive him and our calling. Like Peter lived our lives, bringing others to Jesus and watching over them until they are producing new sheep. There is nothing more energizing than leading someone to salvation or praying for someone to be healed and seeing God's kingdom manifest on earth. While the gifts in our call from God look different and operate differently in different people, we can be assured as believers in Jesus, we are called and he has provided everything we need to fulfill that call. Amen. Rick. So what a loaded question. What did God say to me as we went through Second Peter? Um, <laughs> so here's a short answer. Amidst life highs, hits, and hurts, the Lord is telling, telling me, remember who I am, what I've done, and the promises I've made. I don't know about you, but I sometimes forget him, both on the mountaintop and in the valley. How many of you do that? Yeah. So as uh, Pastor Kevin was observing a few weeks ago that some of us have these miraculous conversions, and others are really kind of slow on the uptake, I kind of characterize my own journey as, I'll call a slow burner. But if you ask my wife, Tammy, Tammy, raise your hand. <clears throat> Even after knowing her for 40 years, she'll say, it's more like a slow learner. So anyway. <laughs> um, so I just want to say, I, Jan and I did not compare notes before we sought the Lord and what we're to share this morning, and I'm just going to kind of uh, mention the th main points so that uh, you can see that the Lord is at work here. First one is he is reminding me that, I, that he has cleansed me of my past sins, and we'll talk about that. Um, another major point was he has reminded me of my calling and my first love. And uh, so anyway, that's, this, that's the third major point I want to share, so the Lord is at work this morning. Um, I'm just going to cite a few scriptures, and because I only have 12 minutes, um, you can, if you want to get all the scriptures that refer to what I'm talking about, just let me know, and I can, I can send it to you. But the first thing I want to go to is 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, 
and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Wow. So I just want to ask you, how are we excellent at all this, all these things that uh, Peter is reminding us of what we're reminded to do? Uh, I, I just want to say that I, I fail on all these things, and the world system, and me being a husband, father, brother, uh, consultant in the world reminds me all the time that I'm short of the mark. But if you look at also in Second uh, Peter one, and this is verse one through nine. If anyone does not have them, so if we do it, if we're honest with our, each other, we, we don't do all these things perfect all the time. If anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed of his past sins. So the Lord was reminding me, and he has had to remind me a lot just because of you know hits and hurts and highs and lows uh, in the journey that I'm continually cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And that it, it almost is like moment to moment and day to day that I have to remember that when the Father sees me, he sees me through the mercy seat of Christ as righteous, regardless of how I think about myself and how I feel. And this has been a, you know, a hard walk for me because uh, a little bit about me, some of you have known me since I've been coming to the RCC for uh, well, since January of 95, uh, I was brought up in a pretty harsh Irish Catholic family. I was, uh, grew up in a, under a career army father. Um, and then I went to VMI before I got commissioned, and I went in the military. And I'll never forget the, the, the uh, quotation over the main arch of the barracks at Virginia Military Institute and that says, you may be whatever you resolve to be. So the Lord has been showing me, because a lot of the love I've been receiving in my life has been conditional based on performance. The Lord has had to renew my mind over 40 years that his love is unconditional, and he loves me regardless. So um, that's why I'm a slow burner <laughs> uh, and a slow learner, is because the Lord has had to renew my mind gradually and retrain me to think that no, know that you are a child of God and I love you regardless. So, uh, that another point that I'm not gonna go into all the scripture, but I've got all the citations here about the Lord reminded me that he is real yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so there's scripture in 2 Peter 3, 5, and 6 that he's, he's the creator outside of time. Uh, Peter talks about how he was an eyewitness to Jesus on earth. And to, and to pay attention in the present to the prophets through the spirit of the inspired word. That's where we see and feel and sense Jesus is in, in the present and is through the word and through other people. And then also about tomorrow, you know, Second Peter 3, 7 and 9, it talks about judgment and destruction are coming. But the hope is the Lord sees one day as like a thousand, and he is patient because his desire is that no one should perish. So anyway. So getting to what, uh, just emphasizing what Jan has heard from the Holy Spirit is um, 2 Peter 1.10. Therefore, my brethren, be all the more eager to make your calling, 
an election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fail. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Christ. So that's a, that's a hard thing for me because I'm always quick to kind of criticize myself because I am hard on myself. But at the same time, if you look at Revelation 2, 2 to 4, that scripture talks about the Lord holding one thing against the church of Ephesus, which is you've forgotten your first love. And so that if you read that verse 2 through 4, it talks about how, you know, there's a lot of good things that the church of Ephesus did. Um, and at the same time, the rebuke was, remember your calling because I'll, I'll move the lamp off the lampstand. And so I didn't get, you know, I, I, when I received that word for me, it was a reminder not from a, like, you better do this, Rick, or else. It was more about, He's called me. He's giving me a choice to choose to trust him in whatever work he has or not. He is go- his will is going to be performed regardless. And so the, the rush of the Holy Spirit is about to come. I have a choice to want to be part of that and be used by him. And so I, my preference is that I go, yes, use me. And that's my encouragement to all you. Because if you, um, if you, this again talks about what Jan reminded us, is that he will give us the performance as well as the will to do what he's called us to do, if I really trust him, if I honestly trust him. So um, the other thing I just want to uh, emphasize here, and this comes to, the Lord showed me over 15 years of, I've been consulting for 15 years, and someone asked me, well, how many people have you worked with over the past 15 years? And I counted up all the, the uh, I do leadership workshops, and it's, uh, there's been a 1,000 leaders over the last 15 years, and there's a workshop that I do, and it really, and these are people that, some of them are believers and some are not. And we, we talk about how leadership behavior and what people do is influenced by what they choose to think about and if you remember scriptures like Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. Proverbs 44, 23 says, above all else, guard your heart. And the Hebrew translation for that is the center of my thinking, for it is the wellspring of life. And uh, Philippians 4, 8 reminds us, finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And finally, 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, what I choose to think and believe in, I speak. So the encouragement to me, the Lord was showing me, is that I have to continually remember what I'm choosing to think about day to day, moment to moment, that I'm cleansed, I'm under the blood of Christ. I have a calling, his first love. If I choose to remember that and remember that he not only gives me the will to do it, he gives me the performance and power to do it if I really trust him. Then I'm able to do these things that second, then Peter is talking to us about, all those qualities. Those are all byproducts of choosing to what I think about and what I believe in first. So my prayer for me continually through studying Peter, uh, Second Peter, and for you is that the Lord remind us of our righteous standing because we are forgiven. 
under the blood of Jesus. We have a calling and a purpose and a gifting that's been graciously given to us, and he promises he'll give us wisdom. And Lord, I just ask you to remind me and my brothers and sisters today, as it says in Philippians 2.13, he will give you both the will and the performance to accomplish all the qualities that, that Peter reminds us to, that we're called to. Thanks. I think Milani's up. Good morning. Can you guys hear me okay? Wow. The house is full today. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Okay, so I have a little visual for you guys. Um, but I want, I know that was a lot from Jan and Rick, and I just want to thank you guys. That was amazing. Um, and Rick was talking about cleansing, and I think that's a perfect segue into what I have for you guys today. Um, so first, can we pray together just real quick? Let's bow our heads. All right. Jesus, Lord, I thank you for packing the house, God. Um, this is just so beautiful, Lord, and I love that we can come together and worship you, God, and I just pray that um, you speak through me, Lord, and that you touch every heart in this room, and I pray that um, there is a double amount of believers that walk out of this room than there were coming in, God, um, and I just love you, and we thank you for your, your wonderfulness and your grace, God, and for cleansing us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so um, I did have a little helper, but he did not have patience, so he's not here right now, my little brother Sam. But um, I have here, so I'm going to pour this water in here real quick. So this is going to be a representation of my life, okay? So this is going to go in this bucket. This is my life, all right? So I'm going to pour some water in here because, you know, this is our life, okay? So in life, we, we were born as sin nature, and I want a raise of hands of people who can say that they've lived a perfect life. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay, now I want people to raise their hands if they say um, that they've been able to control their problems without God's grace. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, so I'm going to keep I'm going to keep dumping dirt in here um, because this is what life looks like for everybody. Um, you know, you go through bad things, you go through hardships, you go through trauma, you go through pain. And um, this is what life looks like. It's dirty. And we can choose. I'm going to use my hands here. We're going to get a little dirty. I was supposed to have a spoon, but that's all right. Um, so we can choose to pick out the dirt, and we can try to control our life, and we can try to pick out the dirt, you know. But if I try to pick out this dirt the entire time I'm standing here, I'm going to waste your guys' time, and you guys are going to all be asleep by the end of this. I mean, that's not my goal. So if I keep on focusing on the negative and try to clean out this dirt, do you think this water is going to be clear by the end of it? No. Okay. So in life, it's never perfect, right? Um, and it's, it kind of looks like that. If we try to deal with our own trauma, if we try to pick out and try to cleanse ourselves, but we are never going to be able to forgive ourselves of our sins. We're never going to be able to to cleanse ourselves from the sins that we were born with without God's grace and without his fountain of water. So watch this. In life, it gives us lemons, but what do we do with those lemons? 
We make lemonade. Right. Okay. Okay. And what do we do when we're dirty? After we've played in the mud all day, what do we do at the end of the day? We take a shower, right? Do we put those dirty clothes back on after we shower? No, unless you're my brother over there. Sorry. <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let me focus. PK's over here. Where is he going to be? Tie the knot. <laughs> okay, to be restored and cleaned of our sins and to walk with Jesus, we have to claim him as our Lord and Savior. Um, in this picture, I have what is clean, clean water. I have a lot of pictures over here. Thank you, Nate. Shout out to Nate over here. So this is what it looks like when we pour into God. I'm going to pour this water into here and watch what happens, okay? Okay. So I'm not done yet, but guys, look at this. Yeah, so this is what life looks like when we pour into Jesus. When Jesus, when we pour into Jesus, he pours into us. Okay, can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> so, okay. I wanted to say, sometimes we forget that God is not a condemning God. I have a lot of friends who come up to me as atheists or non-believers in general, and they say, well, why would I believe in a God who has so many restrictions? Why would I believe in a God who allows hell to exist? Why would I believe in a God that allowed my mom to pass away last year due to cancer? Why would I believe in a God who hurts? Um, but that's not God. Let's remember where we came from. We were born as in nature because of Satan, okay? So we cannot try to cleanse ourselves. With this other picture of pure, clean water, it became clean. So it was dirty when I filled the dirt in because we were so focused on the negative and the, the hardship. Oh, I have to go to school. Oh my goodness, I have to go make myself breakfast this morning. I have to take an exam tomorrow and I did not practice for my exam. Guys, I did never study for my bio exams, but I graduated with a 3.8, so hallelujah. <laughs> so um, this is what it looks like in reality when we make every effort to respond to God's promises, when we supplement our faith with a generous provision um, of moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patience, endurance, kindness, and, and godliness. Soon enough, because we poured in to our faith and morality of Jesus Christ, he pours into our life. Um, and it's almost like how you attract People, when you're genuinely being yourself, so this is something I'm working in therapy right now, is not chasing people, but letting them chase me because of who I am in Jesus Christ. When I got baptized over here in October, I got up and I said, I want my identity to be in Christ and I want people to come to me because they see the Lord through me. So you attract and you produce fruit um, when you are a person who searches for the fruit instead of searches for the secular and what's going to mask your pain or what's going to put on a Band-Aid for the hurt. A kind person receives kindness back. A hurt person who goes without healing continues to be hurt. So once we pour out into Jesus and attract his love, we begin to attract love of other Christians and become embraced with a strong um, Jesus-loving community. So here is um, the view of what the picture in my life has started to look like because I supplemented my faith. Um, and it, wasn't, it was shortly after I got baptized when I was like, okay, 
Let me look at my life. Why did I get baptized? Why am I a Christian? And what does that look like? What does being a Christian mean? So in these last few minutes, um, because Pete wants it to be done by 1130, um, <laughs> um, I'm going to share a little bit about myself, my testimony, and some of the things that I experienced to become somewhat a supplemented daughter of a great king. Um, so I'm a standing junior at the University of Washington, Seattle campus, go dogs. Um, and with my credits, I'm a junior. Um, I did two years of running start, my junior and senior year of high school. That was the toughest time of my life. Okay. Um, we were online. I was becoming a pre-med student and I did not know you had to take chemistry to be a doctor. Nobody told me that when I was five years old and I wanted to be a pediatrician. Mom, you didn't tell me how to take chemistry. Grandma. And then I had to take bio. <laughs> what? Okay. So I was a junior and a senior in uh, my junior senior of high school. I knew at an early stage of high school that I had to make a difference in the medical field. Chemistry, no thank you. But I had to do it anyways because as a child of the deaf community, which I love, is a huge part of my life. Um, and because I'm a child of the deaf community, two parents, countless uncles and aunts, and countless family friends who are deaf, I grew up seeing the horrible impact and lack of communication um, or care for communication for the deaf community. So I was a volleyball player. And I grew up prone to accidents. Sorry, Mom. Um, I always loved getting my ankles and wrists hurt. I think a couple times I actually made it up because I didn't want to play my first home game. Actually, it was track. I hated running hurdles. Do you see how short my legs are? I did hurdles. They're like as tall as me. Miss McKenzie, if you're watching this, God bless your heart. <laughs> she had so much patience. She was out there. She has a condition where she can't sweat, and so she's out here with a fan, and she's like, jump the hurdle, just jump the hurdle. I couldn't do it. So, Mom, I broke my ankle. I can't go to my track race. I'm sorry. So these trips became an expectation, um, and what that looked like was really having the Valley Medical Center Emergency Department as my second home. They know me by my name. They know my medical records by heart. They, so, they say, oh, you're back? Sorry, we have to use the VRI because your mom. Because we can't get an in-person interpreter at this hour. I was furious. My mom would bang on the counter. She'd be like, no, I need an in-person um, um, interpreter for my daughter right now because she is not responsible for your lack of communication, for your lack of care for the deaf community. And I will not have her stand here and interpret her medical conditions for me to understand she is 10 years old, she is 13 years old. That is not fair. So I would have had to interpret missed gaps in conversation between the doctor and the interpreter because we have a screen called a VRI. And what that looks like is you call up a doctor, they ask for my medical number, and then they, they set it up at an awful angle. They can never get their angles right. My photography skills, ooh. Um, my mom would be bending her back, bending her neck, and trying to um, communicate with that VRI interpreter. And they're amazing people. You know, that's hard work. You have to work late hours. My grandma can tell you she works 10 to 2 every night. And um, that's hard work, you know. So the ER service was horrible. So it would, it would 
glitch. They would misinterpret things. Somehow I had cancer just because I had a headache and a, and a broken ankle. Like, so as a f- five to 15 year old going through sport accidents, who knows nothing about medical terminology, that was a big responsibility for me. I grew up fast because of these hard adult conversations. I never realized how painful it was until an older age where I felt like I had an authority in adult conversations. I talked back to my teachers. I told my teacher what five plus five was. And I told my teacher how to sign ASL to my mom. And she's not allowed to call my mom because she can't hear you. You're going to have to FaceTime her. You can't call her. So... I never realized that I started to grow a self-control problem. Um, Well, if I was able to grow up with this way, controlling over the communication of my deaf family, then I could solve my own problems and carry the weight of the world on my own. Oh, God can become of convenience if I didn't study for my bio final, or God, I need lunch money today. You're going to, like, pop some $5 in that vending machine. I always play devil's advocate until I finally realize how hard it is without God's guidance and rejuvenation and without self-control is not brotherly love. Without brotherly love is not brotherly kindness. Without brotherly, brotherly kindness is a lack of knowledge and because of a lack of knowledge, sorry, I'm stuttering, lack of knowledge is a lack of godliness and without godliness there is no relationship with Jesus Christ. So I finally realized what that looked like. He is the will, he is the way, and he's the only way. Okay, in Jeremiah 20, or verse, um, chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So if God, this fountain of water, here he's yelling at me, drink my water, receive from my water, cleanse yourself in my water, and I'm over here like, mm some reason I like this dirty water better than your clean water I don't know why but if we really look at it this is so much we can drink from this water I mean of course we're going to have to continue to pour out in God and for him to pour out into us but it looks nothing like this so today I challenge all of you to try and give up some things little by little. You know, it's never easy just to go right off the bat like God, I'm going to give you my childhood trauma today. No. I tried that again and again and again, but I'm in therapy now, and I'm able to talk to my dad. Hey, daddy can I have an outfit, money outfit? Yeah, he paid for this. <laughs> Not the shoes. I did that for myself. Um, so today I challenge you to reflect um, and then just like realize how much lighter your mind and your body feels once doing so. I journal. I really love journaling. And my best friends over here can tell you how much I love journaling. I do it every night. I do it every morning. Um, Most of it is spoken. I'm sorry. Um, I like to talk a lot, which is why I love doing this. I could go for hours. Um, PK, I'd love to give a full sermon. (laughs) So I just, I advise you guys to try journaling or just speaking out to someone, maybe a therapist or your loved one who you can trust. And just watch the change of your prayers and depth and what you ask to receive from him and how you begin to thank him. Trust me, it is amazing. I used to go from, God, I need lunch muddy today. God, I do not like this person in my math class. Can you just, just real quick, just pass out. <sighs> to going, God, 
thank you for opening this door for me. I applied to three jobs the other day, one being a mentor for the deaf and hard of hearing at Bernie Elementary, an amazing elementary school. I definitely suggest um, reaching out to them. They're in a lot of need for the deaf community. But I used to go from that, and then now I'm like, wow, God, you brought three cats to my house to 12 cats to my house. What is this? What does that look like? And then now I've been reached out, or um, a lot of people have reached out for internships for clinical hours because I want to work in sports medicine to internships here at RCC and Lake Tahoe Church. Can you believe that? Lake Tahoe Church. Um, to just, because I asked God and I gave it to him, he gave it to me. And never was it something where I wanted it to be, God, I want this Lamborghini. No. He, instead of that Lamborghini, Lamborghini, he said, I'm going to give you peace of mind. So that later when you get that Lamborghini, you're not going to hop in and go for a ride and be like, wow, I feel alone. Why did I get this Lamborghini? Oh, because I'm depressed. and Because I thought that this Lamborghini was going to give me joy. But who is the only one that can give you joy? Can we say it together? Jesus. Amen. Okay, so that's all I have for you guys. Um, I wanted to pray, but I wanted to show you what amen in sign language is. So this is amen. Can everybody do this with me? Amen, 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 amen. Okay, so we're going to pray real quick and wrap it up because I'm just on the dot. Okay, let's go. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for every single one of these people, beautiful people in this building. God, I thank you for speaking through me, Lord. And I pray that it really did touch somebody, whether it's just one person or two people. God, I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your self-control because of self-control, brotherly love, and because of brotherly love, kindness, and then knowledge, and then godliness. And Lord, I just pray that these people give it to you, Lord, whether that's one thing, traffic, anger, or whether that's childhood trauma, whatever that may look like, God, I just pray that you be with them, that you hold them, that you constantly remind them that you are the only way to cleanse them of their sins, that you are the only one that can really get them to forgive themselves because that is your job. That is your title. That is not our specialty. That is your specialty, Lord. And God, I just pray um, that you just be with these people as they leave today, that they don't just let that go through one ear and out the other, Lord, that they take it and they think about that and they resonate it and they pray so that their prayers can be transformed, so that their heart can be transformed, so that their joy is received from you and you only, Lord, because there is no joy without peace of mind that you are our creator, that you are our almighty king, and that you are the only one who believes in us. And God, I just thank you. And in your very precious name we pray. We love you. Everybody said, amen. Can I take a picture with you guys real quick? Because I'm a, can I, PK? Is that okay? <gasps> My B-Real went off. Come here. I prayed for that to happen. Okay, so we're going to take a picture, and then I'm going to go like this, and everybody's going to be my picture. Okay. So, okay, come here. I gotta be over yeah, here. you got to be with me. Okay, so we're going to do them first. Everybody say cheese. cheese. Okay, now smile. Okay, good job. Right, good job. Look at you. <laughs> okay, thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you. So good. Hey, I expect Pete to be marching through those doors any second now. <laughs> and so, um, hey, I just want to encourage you that God speaks <laughs> to us. You know, you don't have to be on a payroll at a church 
for God to speak. Calling. Working through that calling. And just knowing who we are in Christ, that God does love us. And he is patient with us. We don't always hear that about who God is. And from a distance, we see a God, we, and we might assume that he's an angry God, and he has this massive list for us to follow. I don't look at it as a list. I look at it as he loves me enough to give me some boundaries because in and of myself, I am a mess. This doesn't even come close. It would be, I could reach my hand in there, it would be thick if it was me. This is just Lonnie. There's just hardly nothing in here. So, I'd bring a bulldozer in here for me. But this is our life without him. We're a mess. And Jesus loves us enough to say, listen to me. I love you and I care for you. I want to help you. And it really starts by that calling and then working out that calling and just saying, it starts off with yes. From our perspective, what's our responsibility? We have responsibility. And that responsibility is simply to say yes to him. And then he does the rest. He just does the rest. Now, can I lay it out for you? I'm sorry I can't because what he's going to do in you is going to be different than what he's done in me which is the awesome thing about who our God is. So I encourage you to say yes to him. If you're feeling like this tub this morning, you could leave here today and not feel like this. You can be like this. Living water flowing in you. That's what Jesus offers. He offers living water. And so, Lord, right now, we're going to pray one more time. God, for that living water, your living water, to flow in us. And, Lord, I pray for many yeses today. That was Lonnie's prayer, that more people would know you today after our time together. So we pray for many yeses. And I just want to say, if you want to say yes to Jesus, we're not going to stand you up and pray you around we're actually going to say amen and, and close this thing. But if you want to say yes to Jesus, that's a simple yes. And if you want somebody to know, in fact, I encourage you, tell somebody. Tell somebody that you know who knows Jesus already. And they're just going to walk with you. Lord, I thank you for loving us so much and inviting us to say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Jan. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Milani, for, for sharing your hearts with us. Amen.